0: You are listening to the Race to Racer podcast presented by Race92. 92. Race92 92 is a vintage inspired racing apparel brand, specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host, Aaron Macktee. Our other co-host, you may have seen walking out of Barber Lounge 459 with a big old smile on his face. You may have seen him at a dirt track. He is Scott Bally. Hello, Aaron. How's it going?
1: It's going good. It's going good.
0: Um, it it is getting colder outside, and you are staying warm. I, I am staying warm. My first ob- I have a couple observations, um, of you today, and that's the first one. So you're staying I, warm. I am
1: staying warm because of the good folks, the good guys, Heating and Air. Um, they do fine work. Um, <laughs> and uh, anybody has any issues or if they need. General maintenance on their uh, heating and air systems. Please call them. Um, Good guys heating there.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, once again, we had our McGilvery show um, a couple weeks ago. Thanks, everyone who came out. We just released that. I think it was last week. Um, We released that one. Um, Jared Andretti and Gabby Chavez was a great show. Our next show at McGilvery's is playing on being December 6th. So we're working on that one. Should be a good show. Um. I will also mention on, which is coming up this week, November 11th and November 12th at the Grant King Race Shops. Um, I will be part of the event um, with Randy Lanier. It will be a speaking event and also a book signing event. He will be here um, speaking and then also signing his book. So please, if you're interested, check our social media channels. Um I have the flyer on there and definitely get your tickets before they are all gone. It will definitely be a great event. Obviously we've had Randy on the podcast and um you know there's a Netflix documentary about him. He's been on Dale Jr.'s podcast. He is very interesting to talk to um and I promise you you probably won't talk to anybody with a more interesting story. I was going to say in racing but I think in general
1: yeah it's it's a wild ride and uh i think everybody who comes out to the event will be happy they did uh, and they'll get to hear the first hand accounts uh from Randy himself and uh he's a very personable guy i know that anytime time you've talked to him and asked him like he did a little promotional video for the event and things like that um so you know Randy Randy's like so many of us He got uh I don't know if the word you want to use is greedy or too ambitious or what would you want to say? And he got himself in a you know really bad situation and uh but I think he knows that he got a second chance that he didn't think he was gonna get and I think he's trying to make the best of it. And uh I think it's great that you guys are doing that yeah. that uh speaker series with him um this weekend. So uh anybody who hasn't bought a ticket wants to go. Uh, I know ticket sales are close, so call up Grant King Shops. Make sure you get your tickets and go out and watch the event.
0: Absolutely. Um, I will also give a shout out to Fast Times Indoor Karting. Um, As we mentioned in the past, we are filming more videos. Um, So this video series is Pro vs. Joe's. The first one was Mr. Jagger Jones um who i will also before I say anything else he got to test um his first test in the lights car at sebring on monday so he um will yep. be eager to you know hear about how that went but you know i saw some photos posted on social media
1: yeah i know he's really excited um uh, monday of course everybody will be listening to starting wednesday but monday he uh got his first laps um lot of breaking in of the gearbox and uh and uh transmission and all that, so I think they'll go out and really start trying to run tomorrow uh cape motorsports and and jagger teamed up and i I know they're very excited to do it and mm-hmm. uh best wishes um you know this is uh it's a big deal and uh, you know just talking to him a little bit about it you know he's really He's I know Jagger's very excited, and he's taking the you know a very methodical approach to it, and uh like he does most things, so it'll be um you know it's it's gonna be really interesting to see his progress
0: this year um so yeah, yeah, so back to the fast times so um <laughs> we actually just filmed another video with Fast Times this past week this past week last week um with jimmy kai which will be releasing i think later this week um you actually weren't at that one um but it, it was a great i mean it was it was a really good video i think everyone will enjoy it great time anytime you get to race against a former indy 500 drivers definitely you know great experience and i mean i think the coolest thing about it is just i mean just kind of seeing like I mean, Jimmy was just really just enjoy having the time of his life out there. And just it was kind of bringing back kind of, you know, what drives him and brings, bringing back to his, you know, racing days and, you know, kind of like the approach that, you know, he used to take and, you know, talking about approach and laps differently and stuff. And it, it was just really interesting kind of hearing him talk about it. um You get to see some of that in the video, you know, t- comparing it a little bit to driving a sprint car and stuff. So, it was a lot of fun. Um, we have another one playing for a couple of weeks, which so will also be a great time. So I'm loving I'm loving that partnership with Fast Times. So special thanks to them for you know letting us do that. And um, we're definitely gonna help promote them as much as we can. Yeah,
1: I thought it was really interesting too is you had um a gentleman who's been a, a giant fan of Jimmy uh, since you know when Jimmy first started. Um yeah. especially in Car. I don't know if he was a fan before that. I assume he was but uh and he got to race against somebody that he respects so much so that was really i thought really cool that you got to be able to do something like that for someone uh jacob got to do it jacob was pretty fast again yeah and uh so yeah i think it's a neat series i i I get to see the videos after you put them together and it's really fun to, to watch them and i think it's uh Like you said, like Jimmy was very excited to do it, and uh, that's cool because Jimmy's a really cool guy, and I'm glad he's having fun.
0: He's ready to go back. I mean, he was sending me text messages the next day saying that he was driving home, like, running laps through his head, like, where can I be faster? Right. So I promise you that next time he goes there, that lap time is going to go down a lot. Right. a decent amount. That's right. But, you know, speaking of that, and you will see from the video, Jagger Jones... Still has top time. So,
1: track appeared to be a lot different this time. It, didn't. Uh, a lot slicker. it was a lot slicker, a lot harder to get grip. So, uh, it's a little hard to compare apples to apples in these deals. But uh, no, I think I think it's awesome that you're you're doing this. So, I think it's cool.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, anyone who wants to have you know racing experience, please go to Fast Times. Great place. And really, I mean, it gives, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's really the, the best um, feeling of or being close to being a race car driver, rather right? you can get without actually going out and becoming a race car driver, you know, right. paying, paying a lot of money. So just to, you know, to do one eight minute race, um, you definitely, it's a workout. It's a lot more workout than a lot of people realize. Um And it's just turn after turn and they go forty five mile an hour. So it's um it's a big workout. You you're you're pretty tired afterwards, I can promise you that.
1: That's a tight track. I mean tight, uh, very tight. Yep. But you can you can go wide open in some spots and, and it uh it does, man. I mean the steering on those things look to be pretty heavy. Uh so it definitely uh definitely wears you out. I think that's uh I think that's a really kind of a good part of it. You know, somebody can really get a feel for what it is like to race. Yeah,
0: and, absolutely. You know, they get
1: the, get the arm pump, and they they feel how physical it really is.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but you know, fortunate that you know Jimmy's able to do it. I know some of the you know older guys have back issues and other problems, understandably. Um, and he actually said that he'd probably be feeling it the next day, but he goes, I'm not going <laughs> to turn down this opportunity. So <laughs> he was, um, and I did suck with him the next day and he was actually, he, he was actually feeling fine. So fortunately. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, no, great time. Um, so like we said today, that uh, the podcast you'll we'll be releasing is Enrique Bernoldi. Enrique, um, you know, who's somebody that, you know, when I was kind of growing up, um it was 2008 indycar um you know i really remember him and you know kind of following him that whole season and he was just super nice guy um and you know someone who got to drive in formula one um and he drove in the first um us grand prix in indianapolis and then drove in the indy 500 and that's there's like four or five people who've done have done that so um you know it's really cool to talk to him um I mean, really anyone who's dri- drives a formula one and IndyCar, I mean, it's just, he's, he's a really great driver. Um, you know, he had some really good finishes in, in IndyCar and then, um, you know, obviously that team started having some problems when they got into all ovals. Um, but just really nice guy, R- really cool conversation for sure.
1: I thought it was a great conversation. You know, um, uh, I didn't know a ton about him and, uh, he really shared, you know, his story and, and, uh, you know it wasn't an easy road for him uh he had to be fast and win everything every step along the way to get to where he was so um and that's how he kept getting his chances so no i like you said, great guy uh, really good talk, and I think people will really enjoy it
0: oh absolutely um so racing news, not a whole lot of racing news won't talk too much about it but um nascar um first off, we'll talk about um nascar cup so joy logano wins championship
1: yep uh he won championship uh ross chastain was closing in he just ran out of time uh they had a bad stop not their last stop to stop before that uh that while they got another stop i think it still kind of hurt him because if they would have had a better stop than one before, they probably would have been a little bit farther ahead and it, it may have been closer on the restart. Um, but yeah, Joey Logano wins Roger Penske the first time he's ever won uh championship in both IndyCar and NASCAR cup at the same time. So congratulations to the captain. Um, Bell had a bad pit stop there. Um, on the last, very last stop really cost him. Um, he ends up running tenth in the race and I guess third in the points. I don't know how they did the points, but I guess third in the points. Chastain, I guess, was he was third in the race and, and I guess second in points. Um and then uh Chase Elliott unfortunately got uh Ross got into the back of him on a restart. You know, it looked like a racing deal to me. But, you know, Phoenix, the way they race on those restarts is ridiculous anyway. How you drive on the apron? Uh, so, it just, that's going to lead to something like that. So, he got damaged. Team did amazing work trying to get it fixed. But they just cannot pick up the speed uh, that it took to win the championship. So, that's the only NASCAR race I've pretty much watched all year. I've probably watched one other um it wasn't bad, you know. I know some people complained about it, but it was actually—I mean, it's just a race. I—I I don't know what people want, you know. I mean, they—they yeah. can't—they can't all be running side by side coming to the checker. So, um, I thought—I thought it was a good race.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, kind of on a sadder note. Um, obviously, you know, the Xfinity race. Um, Ty Gibbs wins the championship, and I mean, just talk about just going from from highs to lows, I mean, just just it just shows you how quick things in life can change, right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, everybody knows the last few weeks leading up, you know, uh, he had been kind of a source of um, people's ire, right? People were mad at him for the way he'd been racing them, and I can't blame him. Uh, And then sort of some of the ways he had talked after he got out of the cars didn't help me. Uh, but I would never wish what happened to Ty Gibbs on anybody he wins the championship he and his family take all these great photos after the race or stand on the racetrack and and then just a few hours later his dad's gone and uh, uh, just uh, all all the respect goes out to the Gibbs family and in their time of uh, sadness, uh, it just, I don't even know where you begin with something like that. And it seemed unexpected. Um, obviously I don't know too much about Quake Gibbs and his health or anything like that, but by all accounts, it seemed very, uh, unexpected and man, you just feel for him, you know, and, and Joe Gibbs lost both of his sons at age 49, which is just, I mean, what are the odds? Yeah. Um, so you just, you got to feel for him, man. Terrible.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just, um, like I said, it's just crazy how quick things can change.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't know any other way that you can put it. I mean, it's just right. one moment life is, you think it's one way, and then the next moment it's not what you was a moment ago and it don't even resemble what it was a moment ago no. and, um so yeah just just sad
0: yeah, absolutely well i um I, I, I do know we have one little announcement um fun fun <laughs> announcement so we actually um are an award-winning podcast now which is weird to say
1: yeah i agree um thanks to everybody Who watches listens um we are the 2022 hoosier auto racing fans um media
0: media award in memory of dick jordan and bill gardner
1: thank you uh yeah a winner uh so thank you to harf thank you to everyone who listens um means a lot i uh, I know a few of the people have won this award in the past, and um and i, I had met and known the people that the are known as named after mm-hmm. so uh means a lot and uh thanks to Aaron for everything he does um to make this show happen and um yeah, I just very humbled,
0: oh absolutely, yeah, no, like Scott said thank you thank you to harf um thank you to levi perkins who runs harf now um and um yeah it's just um it's very humbling and um and when you look at some of the names of the people who've won that award it's it's pretty cool to be in in the list of those people i don't know if you feel i don't know it feels weird right but um it's great it's definitely great to be
1: well i i definitely i definitely uh respect the award um and i respect that they they gave it to us i i would yeah. never say that we deserve anything um because i don't know if we do or not but i will definitely accept it very humbly and uh thank them for it
0: absolutely well um yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's everything. Unless you have anything else to add?
1: Nope, that's it. That's all I got. Again, thanks to everybody out there. Thanks for all the messages that we receive, and uh, take care.
0: Please like and subscribe. Yep. And uh, yep. Hope everyone has a great week. Our guest today drove for the arrows Formula One team and drove in the 2008 Indianapolis 500. We're joined by Enrique Bernoldi. Enrique, thank you so much for um, joining us. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, good. Yes, nice to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, me and Scott both live in, in Speedway. Um, I, I've always been a big IndyCar fan. So um, when I was first kind of introduced to you, it was an IndyCar. Um, so I remember, you know, going to a bunch of races and, and seeing you. And um, it's, it's really great having you on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's nice. Yeah,
2: good times. So talk a little bit about how you
0: first got interested in
2: racing. Well, I started at uh, the age of seven. Uh, I got a, a go-kart as a birthday gift from my father uh-huh. and started going to the weekends to the local racetrack in Brazil, in my hometown, Curitiba. And yeah, and then I started driving, me and my cousins, we start going every weekend. I started getting a little bit better, Start doing local races and from there it went uh yeah all the way to, up to here you know that was uh, never meant to be a career but as i started to drive well and the more i got better the more i liked it let's say this way what so was which,
1: it that you wanted what was it that you wanted uh, besides the go-kart
2: when i was 7 my father had i was i was in love with horses my father had some yeah some racing horses, and I wanted to be a jockey. Uh, it would never work because I grew too tall, too <laughs> to be a jockey now, especially. And uh, yes, yeah, so I went, I started riding horses when I was like three, and I wanted to be a jockey, and the go kart sort of like landed in my lap because my cousins, they wanted, and it was sort of like a family thing, well, as, a, as an activity for a weekend, and, uh, clearly I had more talent to be a racing driver than to be a jockey. And <laughs> that's how we end up here. Yes.
1: There's not many things in the world I would say are much safer or much, uh, more dangerous than, uh, racing. But I would say being a jockey would rank up there as one of a more dangerous occupation.
2: I, I, I agree with you. Yes. The, the car is very fast. Yes. But if I press the gas, it will go fast. If I break it breaks, if I turn it turns. Unless you have a mechanical failure or you have a crash or you do a mistake, you sort of control your destiny. the horse is some something alive, you know it's an animal alive and and the by my own experience, the better the horse is, more aggressive he is you know more alive he is so it's difficult to control him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what point in your in your card racing did you realize like this is something I want to do for a living and when did um Like, I'm guessing, like, your first, like, goal was to probably be in Formula 1, right? At some point. Yes.
2: Uh, Growing up in Brazil, you know, uh, Formula 1 was, is the most popular in Brazil. Um, I would say when I was in a level that I could win races at national level, which was when I was around 9, 10, I started to think, wow, I want to be a race car driver, and, but I never really... I was sort of like doing the best uh, out of every race because it is a very expensive sport. Uh, we needed to find sponsors, and luckily, every time I had a chance to get a sponsor, I did well in the races. And uh, my father and we started to realize that if I wasn't under pressure, I would I would perform well. So that's how it's been in my whole career. And once I was. Winning, I became national, Brazilian national champion in go-kart by age of 11. And then I really thought, oh, maybe I have a chance, you know.
0: Right. So, um, I mean, talk a little bit about, well, what was the series that you, I mean, because now they have, what, like Formula 3, Formula 2. Like, what was the series before Formula 1 back then?
2: <clears throat> well, uh, I, I won uh, two times the national championship in Brazil, in karting. Mm -hmm. and I was getting close to be 16 years old. Um, So that's normally at the time when you start driving racing cars. And I had two two choices. I could either do a Formula Chevrolet, which is uh, like an Opel Formula Chevrolet in Brazil, uh, a little bit more advanced than a Formula Ford, a little bit more power, or I could go to Europe. And I had a sponsor that, agreed to give me a chance for one year in Europe and or in Brazil and my father said to me like I think you should go to Europe and you should go to the European Formula Renault we knew no one we didn't know any European teams or anything like that we had friends that I had friends that which were a little bit older than mine Um, for instance like um, a guy that died already he passed in 1995 with a Formula 3000 crash which is Formula 2 now Uh, so uh, I ended up being in the Formula Renault in the same team that Tony Cannon used to race in Italian Formula 3 in Europe Hmm. and I knew Tony since I was 7 years old so he was in Formula 3 I joined the team in Formula Renault and that was like I had this one shot with this sponsor, and I go to Europe, and I wins the I win the European Championship in Formula Renault, which would be equivalent to a Formula Four, okay. Formula Four days. So, then once I won the championship in my first year, Renault they had a works team racing the British Formula Three, and they took me to their team, and I never stopped. So, things went work out well
1: how in uh, how intense is that european formula circuit
2: it is very intense It is. Uh, i think you know i think if you want to be a formula 1 driver you need to win in europe it's very hard to race somewhere else even if you race in in let's say you race in indycar you race in formula nippon you 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 might have a chance yes but I wow. believe. You're, uh, sorry.
0: No, I was going to say. Well, the I think we saw with Colton Hurda. You you definitely it does. You you do have to race in Europe down. <laughs> yes. With the I with all so. the points and everything. Did they not have the points system like no, that back then? No, or?
2: no my time. No, uh, I was entitled to drive Formula One when I was uh, eighteen because I finished top three in Macau my first mm-hmm. year, which is in Formula Three, so I could be entitled for the super license and. By the time with the, about the points, they didn't exist yet. Um, if you ask me if I think he's right, I don't know. Right. I think some drivers are good enough and they don't have the points. Sure. Because for you to get the points, you need to be also in the right teams. Before, uh, unfortunately, in our sport not always the best one. The fastest one win. You have to also to be at the right time with the right team. So talking about my uh, talking about my career, that's how it, how we went. And uh, to race when I went to Europe, it was good. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, also, but the go kart in Brazil was very strong. So, because imagine that when I started age of seven, at the time we didn't have like mini cars, micro car- cars, junior, whatever all the categories. It was junior category from seven to fourteen. So I, me mean, as a seven-year-old, I was racing with a 125 cc go-kart, no uh, <laughs> gears, of course, uh, very, very powerful, against a fourteen-year-old. And by the time I was like ten, I was racing against Tony Cannon and Elio Castroneves, which they were fourteen. Mm-hmm. So imagine how hard that was. So and the go-kart was like very, very competitive. We could. We could do like, a, let's say, a whole race blocking someone and would work, breaking everything on the inside. So the banging was very, very intense. And so when like, I arrived to Europe, I had no experience in, in, in race cars, but I had a lot of experience in overtaking, and breaking. So I think that helped me to, to win straight away. I think that was, and that's how I could uh, get in a, a position that, um Sort of like I shine straight away.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things I think where, I mean, seven's seven's a lot different than 14, but that's one of those things where I think uh, you either learn if you can do it or you can't, and you learn if you can perform or if you can't. I mean, unfortunately, that's a young age, but that's how it is.
2: Like, trust me, I won the, the regional championship in my town, in Curitiba, when I was eight. And then I went to Sao Paulo, which was the strong championship. And being a champion in my city, I went to Sao Paulo. I was time like 25th because I was right. competing against the 14 year olds and good 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds. And I was like eight snipe. By the time I was 10, after being beaten by one full year, I could start matching them. And I learned, let's say, in the hard way. And
1: right.
2: yeah, and... I. I Honestly, I didn't like going there. My father was pushing me. I didn't like going there. But once I started winning, that, thats why I said at the beginning, I started liking. That's that's like normal human being. And once I was 11, I was winning against those guys. So, uh, for me, it was was like great, you know. Right. So your
0: first kind of experience in Formula One was as a test driver for the Sauber F1 team, correct? Yes. So Correct. what, I mean, how, how much car time did you actually get back then as a test driver? Because obviously a test driver, development driver now is completely different than what it was back then.
2: More like a video game driver now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, you know, uh, I did very well in Formula Renault and then I did very well in Formula 3, British Formula 3. Uh, I didn't win the championship because I threw the championship myself. I I won eight races out of 16 and I still managed to lose the championship, which was quite amazing for me. It's, it disappoints me because something that bothers me because I, I wanted to have a, a title that Senna had, be British a British Formatrice champion as Brazilian would be very cool. And I lost it and uh, I should never have lost that. Uh, but uh, long story short, then I got hired by Red Bull. Red Bull put me in Formula Three Thousand, which is Formula Two today. What the time was called Formula Three Thousand. The cars like more or less the same performance, big, uh, uh, almost six hundred horsepower, coming from a Formula Three, which was like one hundred and ninety horsepower at the time. Was a big, a big jump. And let's say I won the European Renault a Renault with nine wins. I won. I won eight races in the British Formula 3, finished second. I won one race of the Masters. I won a race of Macau, so I've been winning a lot. Then I went to Formula 2000 and results was completely not there. It was a very bad year. Uh, I was the first Red Bull driver and my teammates were rotating. We are changing teammates. I was always ahead of them, but we, not, we were not getting results. The car was not performing, was not there. So my first test was like, <clears throat> more or less was like, not like, oh, come and drive Formula One. Was more or less like, oh, you did bad. We are, we are not performing. You say, it's the team. The team says, you. We're going to put you in the suburb. And then we're going to have, uh, we have all the reference there. And then we're going to see how is it. And since I sat in the car, that one day I got the contract the next day. So I think that uh, that's why I said I always perform well under pressure and I, I liked that. I, I liked the qualifying day, I liked the one single lap. I liked those things. So that, uh, that after the test, they signed me and I, with Sauber, <coughs> let's say I did a... Uh, I did like, I would say maybe 8,000 kilometers testing the first year huh. which is quite good i think it gave me a, a bit of experience
1: yeah yeah so that's, that's a few laps.
0: yeah like oh, but, like we said a little more than what they do now <laughs> yeah
2: but that, that's com- that's almost nothing compared when i after uh arrows went bankrupt i became bar honda test driver and there was miles. there i think the first year i did eighteen thousand miles Eighteen thousand kilometers, testing, and uh, I said, I remember, I said, oh, I'm, I'm very tired. Um, Sometimes, you know, was difficult, and to do all the promotions, to do all the events, and eighteen thousand kilometers, and I said maybe I will drive, (coughs) maybe, maybe let's see how how you can go. They say yes, you did too much this year. Next year we're going to try to do a little bit less and I end up doing 22,000, so even more.
1: By <laughs> well, less, they meant, they meant more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, yes. Uh, I think one day in Mugello, which is a very, very physical track with the cars at the time, with the V10 engine, it was very physical. And I think I did uh, something like 151 laps, which would oh, be wow. me like 900 kilometers which is almost like three race distance in one day it was yeah it was all day in the car more or less
0: oh wow so talk a little bit about so i mean 2001 obviously your your first year in formula one um i mean i'm sure i mean at that point i mean you're the top of the sport like you can't you can't get any bigger than that um oh. i mean just you know, and it may not have been the season necessarily you were looking for, but I'm guessing, I mean, obviously you're racing against you know Michael Schumacher and you know, just legends of the sport, and I'm sure it's just a surreal moment for you, right?
2: Yes. Well th- <laughs> yeah 99 and then two thousand I was test right for sober <laughs> Sorry, I have I have a cold not not COVID, though. But- <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can't get we can't get it through the computer yeah, screen. To, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, hey, um, I, I, yes, since um, this week I'm this, we cannot finish very well. But uh, the thing is that uh, we saw when I'm when I'm by number of factors, I couldn't get a drive with Sauber. Then we went to we had some options, which would be Prost or or Minardi, and we end up in other arrows, which. I didn't even think of. So once, if we're looking back the 2000, 2000 season, Eros was a better car than Sauber. They finished higher up in the championship. So my manager, my agent at the time, which was Hel- Dr. Helmut Marko, <coughs> we said, oh, maybe we end up even in a better car. Yeah, winter series was good. Like the, in the winter testing was good. And we went to Australia, very optimistic. Of course, we knew the challenge at the time was very hard for smaller teams because we could only score points top six. So it was very, very difficult. And with all the tests allowed as it was, so all those miles that I told you, uh, imagine that teams that had more budget like Ferrari, McLaren, uh, Williams, BMW, they would test more, they would have more stuff. So (coughs) their car automatically would also break less, be more reliable and a um, part the performance was 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 better so the the car wasn't that so good the engine was really really on a weak side it was called Tech, but that was the Peugeot engine and we at some races we end up like when the BMW we really, did, they start to get better we were driving with something like almost 2000 revs less than them they were mm-hmm. already on that. Eighteen thousand. We were still on the 16,600, 16, So it was a difficult season. Yes. So <coughs> by the middle of the season, my Red Bulls had to be like. I think that guys difficult to score a point would be very hard. So I think the way that you can show how fast you are is beating your teammate. And my teammate was Verstappen, not Max, the father, of course. <laughs> right. That was, more or less, that's what all we could do to try to beat each other in qualifying.
0: Now, I mean, early 2000s really is iconic era for Formula 1. First off, I mean, the sounds of the cars. Um, yes. I, I love those sounds. Some people, <laughs> it's love or hate, right? But, I mean, another thing you hear people talk about is just like, how like you know the drivers like teammates like didn't get along and like how everyone was just kind of like distant and like they would have drivers like on different floors of media centers i mean was it really like that or like what do you think it really was (laughs) i
2: I believe that at that time the drivers were not friends at all uh we would say hi some of them we would cross in a corridor and not even say hi. <laughs> it happened. Well, it happened to me many times, and not that I wanted to make friendship. We 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 had a saying that well, okay, I go to the racetrack. I bring my friends to the racetrack. I don't go to the racetrack to make friends. Right. And once you actually, it's to say that. Uh, oh, I think now with the. Media, social media, with the sponsors being so much involved, I think they have to be more in a good in good terms. Also, there there is a lot there are a lot more uh, team orders. Uh, but honestly, I felt my teammate was my first enemy always in my career, and I experienced that once we first happened, with Verstappen, with Frenzén in the second year. So, yeah, it was. I was not looking forward to friendship. I was looking forward to be as fast as I could and mainly to be faster than them. Right. Being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think these days they are more like in a better in better terms. Uh, I don't know if that's true or that's what you have to say, but you know, if your teammate keeps beating you, I think you're gonna run out, you're gonna end up with jobless very soon.
1: All right. Right, if you're running second on the team, that's yes. not good. No. And let's say tell you to run second.
2: Yeah, but it's yeah. uh you know, it's not very Yeah, I think I think at that time also um yes, I think the rivalry was a little bit higher maybe.
1: Sure.
0: The yeah. um uh- Yeah, I mean, now with like obviously, I mean, what do you think about the current state of Formula One? I mean, obviously, it, I mean, in America, it's bigger probably than it's ever been. I mean, the Netflix documentary has done so much for it. Um, I mean, what do you think really about the, I mean, do you think it's going the right direction?
2: I think, I think Formula One is really growing in the United States. Uh, Mm -hmm. Compared to when I, when I used to race in Formula One, uh, all the years that I was also, when I've been a test driver and I used to come to the, uh, to the US Grand Prix. Um, also, when I was in IndyCar, people didn't really care that I was an ex Formula 1 driver. They, they didn't. And now, right. I, I was in Texas um, last week because I worked for FIA. Hmm. And I was in a dinner, and um, most people in the dinner, was were, they were Americans. And all the questions were about my time in Formula 1. And I also raised in IndyCar. Right they were not interested at all. They Mm -hmm. were Formula One, Formula One, how was it? They knew about the V10 engines, they knew about those things and things that when I came here uh, to race, people didn't bother about Formula One. Right. And yes, and I remember when I finished fifth in St. Petersburg with IndyCar, with Because Conquest was a small team. And it rained, I, I was also leading the race, and then we had, we had a bad pit so stop, I finished fifth. I heard, I'm not gonna say names, but I heard like, uh, are you happy? I said, yeah, I start 16 something, it rained. That's why I could be ahead, uh, could almost have a chance to win the race. And they say, yeah, you are, um, yeah. Um, we don't carry race in Formula one. I heard that from my guy, which was close. From my team, we don't carry race one, we don't carry a race with Michael Schumacher. You're only going to be respected when you win a race in the ovals. Uh, thank you, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, how how
0: did the IndyCar deal kind of come out? I mean, that's a big difference from Formula One, obviously, especially back then. I mean, that was so 2008, the, the merger happened. So, that was after that. I think wasn't the, the champ, it was Champ Car 2006, yeah. Scott, or was it 2006? I, don't I, seven, I mean, yeah, I think that was a year after the merger, right? I'm pretty sure.
2: No, well, no, that was the year of the merger. I was not supposed to race in IndyCar. I was supposed to race in Jump Car. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, that's what I You know, the things that um, first things like I really like. I, I was being a test driver for VR Honda for the last two years, three years. So I wanted to race again because I was doing a ton of testing. Sometimes testing can be massive. And sometimes you go to a, a test in front of one at that time. And if you have to test the software, you're gonna do the whole day, you're gonna go out of the pits, you're gonna open the lap and you're gonna come back in. You don't set a time. Can be good for a young driver, yes, you will I'm, feel amazing, I'm driving from one car. But I was also a race car. I was a racing, form, racing driver in Formula 1. So for me, it was sort of like after two years doing that, I wanted to race. And I wanted to race in single seater. So I was looking for, for... I got some offers to race in LMP1. And I, did, I declined it because I went to racing in jump cars, the car. I went to race in single seater. <laughs> so we came. And I was supposed to race for Rocket Sports in jump car. Uh, the purge happened uh They were not going forward, same like a foresight team, which I was talking, and so I, I was like, "Oh, I will race." Yes. Then suddenly I, I'm out of job again, and then we end up finding a seat with Conquest with Eric Bouchard, and I think he had more like uh, he's European, so I think he appreciated a little bit more than I was in of One. <laughs> more than the guy that spoke to me and said that I wouldn't be respected because I, I was not front of one, but for one driver, but uh, yeah, so that was difficult because we got cars from, uh, for instance my, my first two races in Oval uh, Homestead and Kansas. I raced without a weight jacker. I didn't even know what a weight jacker was <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: So Homestead was your
0: first time on Oval?
2: Yeah I did this sort of this rookie test for the guys which were in Champ car. My team had not a Champ car team. We didn't have an IRL car. So Vision from Tony George, at uh, that year they gave, they, they had I think a bunch of older cars and they gave the cars to teams that could not afford at the beginning. So by the time I was racing in IndyCar, my, my chassis was an old Vision car. I was racing a 2008 season, and my chassis was 2003. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Without a yeah. win. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Uh, um, yeah. So we knew it was difficult, and I I said okay, I I, I want to try in the uh, I would try in uh, road courses and street courses, and we see what can happen. And. Let's say was not such a fun thing because ovals was difficult. I felt a little bit uncomfortable, you, especially the big the ovals, which are a lot of the nation. I never liked the pack racing. It was a little bit form, from a Formula One X Formal One driver was a little bit like, like a Russian roulette, a little bit. I felt that. So yeah, it was a, I was always was not a very nice season for me, let's be honest. I was always looking forward to the Tracks to the circuits and street courses, and at that time, most of the races were in oval, so it was like very stressful.
0: And I mean, the beginning of the season, well, like you were saying, like I mean, so you had Saint Pete and Long Beach. You had very good runs in both of those, um and then I guess after that was basically all and, and then all ovals. The
2: and then yeah, when then we really oval start, then oval oval oval, then the wheels fell off. <laughs> that was it. Was <laughs> right. it was hard. Then. Uh, <laughs> I think we did 5th uh, at 4th uh, at Long Beach and I think on the standings I was P6 so I was quite okay uh, I like the Indy I, don't get me wrong I, I like the Indianapolis I finished the race I almost got the rookie of the, of the year uh, I finished one position behind Will Power so for that I think I like that race I like it also um, Milwaukee because Milwaukee is flat so for me, it was like taking two fast turns. For me, it was like I can I could drive fast corners. Uh so for me it was two fast turns. And I qualified, I think qualified top seven with the conquest, which was quite good. Had a bad luck at the start, your server touched me, got a get a puncture, always goes to goes to goes to nothing. Then I had a good run also in Edmonton, but uh myself with briscoe was top five and and up that season went you know went well for us plus i broke my hand at the end of the season and then that's it so well
0: talk a little bit of so about indy just a little <clears throat> bit so i mean how much about the indy 500 did you really know before that month like did you ever watch indy 500 or
2: so I watched this, of course, I knew that it was a lot of, uh, I knew that I would have a, a lot of sea time because we could go stay there for three months, uh, three weeks. So I like that. I I enjoyed the, the Indianapolis, the whole event, I really enjoyed it. I like, I enjoyed the the fact that you can take as much wing off. We went negative first team I ever, never saw a negative wing in a, <laughs> a car. For me, it was interesting. It was like a lot of learning and I like it. And for me, it was a great experience because I raced in one direction in Formula One and then I was driving the track in another direction. It was super great. And then always the fans, uh, great fans, very supportive. The mentality here in the United States is different. Yeah. Let's say you, you are like a driver like me going to Indy. You're in, I'm not going to qualify in top eight. I'm not going to uh, top nine. That's uh, uh, nine, but I think something like that. The first guys, maybe I will qualify, not even top twenty, but they're all there cheering for you. In Europe, it's more like you win, you win. We like you. You <laughs> lose. They're always they're always looking for the next world champion. I, I, I always also I had this mentality, and I like really liked that people were cheering. And then on the card day, a lot of people on the day of the race with the. I felt like the, the straight line was like even smaller because so much people. I, I, I like it that, that that race. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was such a good experience. Uh, even being from, from a one driver before, I think Indy 500 is something way above the other races in, in, the, in the calendar of IndyCar. I like it.
0: So, I mean, when we look at, I mean, so we look at the past 10 years, there's been two former Formula One drivers that have won the, won the Indy 500. And it seems like road course racers always do really well in the 500. And, I mean, you did as well. I mean, you started, what, 30th and finished 15th um, or something like that, and, I mean, which is super impressive, especially in your rookie year. Um, I mean, what is it with that track? Like, a lot of, we've had a lot of drivers say, like, they approach that track more like a road course than an yes. oval.
2: Yes uh yeah I finished I think 15 for yeah yeah you, yeah so and I had one pit stop that I couldn't do it we could have finished because my teammate parked the car on my pit spot and I had to go through oh uh-huh. yeah yeah oh my god yeah exactly <laughs> and then I we had I had to pray for the next yellow to come soon before I run out of gas and before I run out of tire and I could see the <coughs> almost showing the cord on the rear and I'm telling the car is so nervous and so nervous and and he goes I keep going keep going the yellow will come and I think maybe one or two laps before they would have to come in a yellow came and sort of we were back on the game but the strategy was all gone thanks to my teammate but (laughs) we could have finished higher maybe Even if I'm high, maybe I would have crashed with someone because then race gets a little bit more intense. So I don't know. I think Indy was a good result for me. But I think that's what you said. Uh, (coughs) x formula one right? They do good in road courses, street courses, normal tracks. More difficult to do well in a place like Texas, for example. But Indy, why favors us a little bit? Because it's, it's normal life. Outside, inside, out. That's what we do in Europe. We take a corner like a corner. We don't go like hugging the line all the time. So that's sort of like side three wide that you get in like, in, uh, and in ovos that you get like Texas, uh, Kentucky, stuff like that, that's back races, we are not used to that. So it's more difficult for us to play with the, with the, the toe. Also how to set up the car for that. We're, we're a little bit like a bit lost also let's say so it was like out in out wings you put as you want so sort of more like feels like more like a a race uh, that we used to be doing that's that's how that's how i I did well in, in milwaukee because that's how you know when once you let's say when you have to go for a qualifying the rear wing is fixed by the by the by the regulations you hug the line you're flat out. What is really your skill on that? You know, right? Everybody can hold flat out. Okay. The big thing, people, I mean, like, in the qualifying, once the, the race started, it's not. Oh, team. no,
1: I, I know exactly and what you know, mean. Yeah, you
2: qualify. You, you I'm sure you have seen people, I'm sure you have seen drivers which sort of type of career out qualifying very good drivers in almost what you just said the line right yeah I shouldn't
0: have sounded me and the one thing a lot of drivers talk about like the first time in Indy, just how intimidating the first time like going i mean full throttle into the first turn because it's how narrow like it seems when you're going that fast and also you can't see the other like the end of the turn right <coughs> like for you how like intimidating was that, the your first time going flat out Um, (laughs) in the turn one?
2: Honestly, Indy, yes, turn one was always the one that caught my attention a little bit more Uh, because you're you're quite fast there and it's the one turn that my car always, if I had a little bit of feeling like too much understeer, too much oversteer, that's what was always in turn one. But being honest, Indy didn't, I I felt good at Indy since rookie test. I felt good. I like it to drive. I like it to drive. The outside closing. I I I felt good. I I had a I had a good feeling through the all three weeks. Unfortunately, our, our car was not that much faster, but I had a good feeling there. I didn't have very much very good feelings in other roles. being honest, Indy for me was 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 a nice experience. That's why I always said I I love it. I love it. I love the experience. I'm. I love the feedback the car gave to me. I like, how do you say, it, it's narrow. It's narrow maybe for the Americans, for us, that we came from Europe. It's very wide. So, <laughs> <laughs> why narrow at all? For me, it was very wide. So, <laughs> I like it.
0: The, the big thing that, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you participate as a really big Formula 1 races: Monaco, Monaco, um, yeah. Monza. I mean, ha- and we talk about the fanfare a little bit of the Indy <sighs> 500. Like, how does like the pageantry of nd 500 compare to some of the you know bigger formula one races you've been in
2: so sorry i i, I coughed i didn't hear
0: you oh no you're good so well, i was saying like you've obviously I been in. Your
2: question i a question like no. uh... sorry yeah. what no no, just please repeat the question because i coughed and i couldn't understand uh oh. what's yeah i understand the question sorry
0: Oh no, right you're fine um so how how would you say like the pageantry of some of the bigger Formula One races you've been in compares to like the Indy 500, like just a fanfare.
2: Uh, let's say any any the the, the the fans are are great. They are huge. They're huge fans. It's like uh, you go you go in the, in the street for for example and they they recognize you. It's sure. something that uh, even in the night or you go to a restaurant they they see how you're going to race this year. And so on, the, it's, it's, it's part of the culture of the city. I felt it. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. And um, Mosa, they are very passionate. Yes, yeah, Silverstone, of course. They are like all queuing outside, waiting for a Formula One driver, but only if you are a Formula One driver. In India, I felt that they're passionate about the, the event itself. Right. So I think it's, um, it's different, of course. Than the way it is in Europe, but is um I think that that was a very good experience for me. The, the fans were really passionate, and uh, it it ma- makes you feel makes you feel like uh, you know if you are like you're you're just pleased to try your best and to do whatever it to take part of the race is a big thing.
1: Right. Well, it's recognized, right? Yes, like people recognized. actually recognize, yes. nobody's really judging you, yes, because you, you know yes. your team is only a 14th place team or whatever. <laughs> yes. Like in formula one, we're <laughs> over here, and like, I mean, you catch the right breaks, you know, like you said, if you if your pit stop would have went better, maybe who knows, top 10, you know, maybe more, maybe less, maybe not, uh, maybe a
2: crash. Ah. You know, I, my father yeah. always said to yeah, me, I always say like, oh, but is and then he always said, if, if, if everyone right. were checked, it happened that way. It was, right. but That's said, right. Well, you're right. In, in India, it's like in India they were very passionate. And in Formula One, you are a Formula One driver. Of course, everybody loves you. In Silverstone, in Monza, in Monaco, everywhere Australia, in Australia, and Canada, i passionate, but only if you're a Formula One driver. Do you understand what I mean? Right that you have to reach certain standard in Europe. Right. That's, yeah.
0: So I was saying like, so I'm like race morning for the 500. Like what, I mean, does anything ever compare to like, I mean, just the all the fans that are there. I mean, it's the largest single day sporting event. A lot of people don't realize that, but I mean, more people go to that one sporting event one day that any, anywhere in the world. Um, I mean, just talk about just, i mean those pace laps of you know going around and just the whole place just full um because you know qualifying back then you know we i mean back in the 80s and 90s qualifying was completely full but obviously past 20 30 years people i mean it's not full until race day
2: yes you know what was impressive for me was the parade that was really really great you know it's like a I didn't, I didn't knew we had to do a parade. Okay, once I was going to race and then I qualified <laughs> yeah, on Saturday, you have the parade and I'm thinking, okay, I go to race, I go to the racetrack like this, something go around. I was thinking something really, really small. Once we go for like what four hours, three hours to the city. Yeah. Like people, it, it felt like a carnival in Brazil. It, it was really, really, <laughs> really nice, it was nice. Right. and. And the parade was really good. Also, then, of course, the race day with all the crowd and the formation lap. Um, the, the parade laps was uh, actually, it's, I was starting in the middle, middle lane and both rookies beside me. Oh my god, now, you know, because coming from Europe, you have that sort of that experience like you have that feeling like I go to Oval, I might die. That's the feeling that every guy that comes from Europe think. oh, I wrote, oh, I might die. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, even if I in the middle between two rookies, and I'm thinking like, yeah. So the like, the hard like do, do, do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he went well. Yes, it was very, very interesting. You know, it's I funny to you know,
1: say. You know, he's like the second or third person that's talked about the parade. Yeah. What? I said, so, you're the second or third driver, especially a foreign-born driver who talks about the parade.
2: The parade is nice. It's really, really yeah. nice. That's funny. It's, it's an experience that I will never forget. You know, I took my wife with me. My, I only had one. Uh, my daughter at the time, uh, she was one and a half. We took her with us. She slept in my wife's uh, um, arms, and it was it was really nice. And with the, everybody, you know. Uh, uh, use, you could see young people, um, more mature people, everybody there. So it, it was great. It was, uh, as you say, is a, it's an event for the city and the city is really proud of it and, and makes you feel really, really good also to race in Indy 500.
1: Right. Some
2: of the other ovals you will race is almost empty, uh, but the Indy 500 is something very, very special.
0: Right. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about like formula one drivers. You know, being scared of ovals because that's a big thing now. I mean, IndyCar's really turned into a series <laughs> for you know drivers after they're done with Formula One to come try. And you know, I know Daniel Ricardo just made a comment saying something like, you know, he do IndyCar but he ain't doing ovals. Uh, and you know, and Grosjean, um, I mean, he he only did the what the partial season, did road courses, and then finally he gave into the yeah. ovals. So
2: well, you sort of learn. You sort of learn. You know, is you you learn each week and you you sort of start getting more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, You start um, getting more more feedback. They can sort of like start talking back to you, you know. Um, But the beginning, it is a little bit scary, you know, because let's say in in front of, when we race close to the walls at at my time was uh, Monaco. And Monaco, you've got uh, it it is, if you you have a failure and a brake failure in Monaco, also you are you're dead. But you don't think of that because all the other tracks you have gravel traps, you have everything. And in the oval, there the wall is there, always beside you. And hmm. I mean, honestly, I I never felt comfortable going on the on the high on the high, high uh, lane. I always sort of like try to hug the the line. So sort of like it's 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 a it's a Actually, it's more like a stupid thing to do because if you are the inside, you, spin, you, you hit even harder yeah, sure. than if you are there. But for me, being a more further, so for me, I, I had the feeling I was like more like safe and I like it to, to stay on the inside. Once we go to a racetrack that the inside doesn't work, my God, that was a... If one day I will get a Ustra, I know from, from where I got from. <laughs> I <think. laughs> Especially without weight jacker, the first two races was, was like a nightmare, but, you know.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't have a weight jacker on that car.
2: Yeah, I, I remember me talking to my engineer like in uh, in Homestead. I'm saying like, he said, "Oh come on, you have to keep flat. I'm saying, the car, I, the car is, you guys he loose. I was saying, I have oversteer. And he says like, um, soft in your bar. I said, the front is already on full stiff and the rear is already on full soft since five laps and then he goes like oops then we don't have anything other two <laughs> <So, laughs> next piece up we put down a little bit of the front wing so <laughs> it was yeah that was um, that was a little bit uh a bit hard but you know sure some guys manage better than me some guys manage worse so I wasn't a but so yeah
0: so- you're um. So you're talking about Monaco a little bit. So first off, you know one of the most famous Monaco races for you, and you know where I'm going with this. I mean, what what's it like having David Guth, David Kuthart, I mean, right behind you for 30 laps. I mean, that's got to be, it's got to be. A, I mean, make laps seem a lot longer than they actually are, Um because I mean he was in you know a, w- one of the top teams back then, and you know because I think penalties or something had him start from the back.
2: It's uh. It was. 44 laps actually. Uh, I he until I went to the pits. <coughs> it's um that day he was the fastest guy on the track. He did the fastest lap. Well, as soon as I pitted, he was in pole position. Uh, he had a, a electronic problem on the car the sign information lap. So everybody every car passed him, so he had to start from the back. <coughs> Let's say um, it was, it was difficult, yes, but the, the whole thing formed in a way that uh, I, I started one position behind my teammate, Verstappen, and on the start, I passed him, and we sort of like touched. And we didn't have a good relationship at the time. As I said, drivers, especially for teammates, we were not very, very good with each other. So he came on the radio, he said, oh and he can hit me, and he hit me to pass me. So the team, the team gave me an order to let him pass. And I'm saying like, oh, we have 78 laps to go. Why should I let him pass? Let him pass, let him pass. The team owner comes in the radio, let him pass. And I'm thinking, well, I'm racing for myself here. I'm trying to make a name for myself. So I was pissed. I put my hand up in front of the pits. But I wanted to make sure that every people saw that I let him pass. As soon as he passed, my engineer came on the way, Kutter was behind. The other three, four guys that were behind, they let Kulter by. <coughs> my engineer said, you didn't want to let yours pass. Now you have Kutter behind you so you can hold him as much as you want. And I didn't think I would hold him. First of all the guys way faster than I was in the car which was way faster than mine. He tried to pass me twice uh going to into the Mirabeau and he just put the nose and I let the space and he didn't pass me and I almost crashed because I touched the marbles I almost crashed twice so it's like either you're coming or you're not coming you're always wanted like this maybe he felt like I don't know maybe I don't know and that sort of like pissed me off even more. I said, I'm a now because of this guy. So now you know what? Now you're going to stay because now I will move <laughs> my car half a meter to the middle and I, you're not passing anymore. As long as I don't do a mistake, you're not going to pass. And my car was very nervous because I something that I hated, always hated is understeer, like push, as you guys said. If my car would understeer, I would be bad. I would be slow. I hated that. And I, in, I remember we had a few things. and bringing the car to the pits, I felt a little bit understeer. And I said <coughs> to my giant think I have too much understeer. So we set up, we dropped a little bit of the front right eye right on, the, on the grid. The car felt good for two laps. And then the thing was like this all the way. Was so nervous. But one place, that the only place that the car was good, it was in the tunnel. I could take the tunnel flat out every lap, which is the pain overtaking part. Of the circuit. So, um, people always remember this race. Do I think it was my best race in Formula 1? I don't think so. I just think what I take from that is that holding him behind was difficult. No, as long as he didn't do a mistake and I didn't do a mistake. Uh, the track helped me. It's difficult to pass in Monaco. I'm not a superman to say, oh, I hold him in when Monaco helped me. What I take it as a as a as a learning and as a as pride from that race is just that I didn't do a mistake under such a high pressure. Uh, then I managed to keep him behind. Right. So yes. Should think people don't most people don't know that, but they always say oh Monaco 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 I think Malaysia the year after when uh, Schumacher lost his front wing on the lap one he's coming back to the field he passed me and I managed to pass him back the same lap I think that's way more difficult that's way <laughs> yes how many people passed Schumacher in 2002 driving the Ferrari which was the best car right so I did it with an arrow so I think I think that's way more difficult than holding Cooter in Monaco so absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you know, I, I have like my my helmets from Formula One in One at the time that I race, you get one helmet per race uh by the manufacturer for, by by Bell. And the one that I have at home is the one that I pass from Hacker, It's not the one that I hold cooler So <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so um so after indycar you do i think you, so you do some super league formula that's the name of the yeah. series open wheel and then you do some other sports car stuff and then some brazil stock car racing correct yes.
2: <coughs> brazil stock car i did before indycar oh uh, okay was uh was the year that uh, i got married my wife was pregnant we decided to stay in brazil i racing brazil stock car was like uh, um was a, was a championship which uh, was growing a lot. Uh, being an ex Formula one driver, the, the sponsors were like very happy to have me there. Uh, sure. They were like big salaries. So I decided to stay and that was a big mistake. I should have, I should have uh, not because the championship is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, that's a bad championship, it's not. But just coming out from Formula One, I could have had a way better seat in LMP1 and or even LMP2 in Europe, or maybe even mini car, because I was just out of Formula One. So I should have used that better, not going to the Brazilian stock car. But it was a good season for me. I, I finished, uh, I think 11, three, three podiums, uh, was only one race, so you had to. Was 42 cars. It was difficult. I uh, was, I think, maybe the best rookie, one of the best rookies. But I, uh, honestly, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, after one race, I regretted But <laughs> I had a contract. And then I tried to do the best with my head, so I started very bad. Like, race two was starting 29. By the time, the end of this season, I was Fighting for wins, which was good, but then I came to an IndyCar, and that was was uh, I had to to get my fitness back because stock car was not physical at all. Then IndyCar was so heavy, and then uh, yeah. But I think the the Brazil stock car was a little bit a uh, mistake. Super League was nice. Uh, the car was very powerful, a lot of downforce. Uh, Unfortunately, the championship ran out of money. And then I was racing in, the, in Europe in a GT1, which was a very, very nice championship, world championship. Then FIA came up with the points. So uh, me as being an ex Formula 1 driver I was platinum uh, in the, for the FIA. And if you are platinum, you have to race with, uh, I think it was uh, bronze, or you race before LMP1. I remember going to meetings with the teams and they said, okay, so we're going to take you. And then what's your license? Ah, I'm platinum. Oh, we can't take you. (laughs) I remember one guy said to me, team I said, I'm sorry, Enrique. You will be jobless forever. As long as you're platinum, you'll be jobless because we cannot take you. So, uh, to race in gg was good, yes. To race beside a bronze, nice. After two, three races, sort of like pisses you up.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit how how it happens. And, how, and also one of the reasons why I retired quite early, honestly. You know,
1: and I'm going to go back to something you've mentioned a few times. You said that you've always, uh, performed under pressure. Yeah. And is there a, is there a process that you use a mindset or is it just come natural?
2: I think the way I think, I think that I got used to it since I was a child, since I was an early age, because my parents, we could have like a normal life, nothing special. Uh, after two years, when I started to, be in a national level in go-karting, they couldn't afford anymore. They could afford my local races, <laughs> regional races and the first three years, seven years old, eight years old, fine. When I started to race uh, national level, they couldn't. So I always need to get a sponsor. <coughs> and the sponsors for me came like, always like, let's do a test. Let's try three races and see how it goes. So I always had this pressure since I was a child. So, I grew up having like make or break since early age. And I got used to it. And I think, in a a way, uh, let's say, in my first year in Formula One, I never been beaten by my teammate until I got in Formula One. Never. I always beat him. I beat my teammate in Formula One, too. He was was in, I think, his nine year in Formula One. My first year, I beat him 11 to six in the qualifiers. Why? Because in the, I that lap in qualify, I always liked it. I liked that single thing. I performed well. It's not that I won at that, but I think the best of me always came out under pressure. And mindset, let's say while I used to race at high level, I was not the guy that looked at the data much. I was a little bit more old school. I sort of tried to get this in my head. I was never being the guy that, oh, I want to see. Of course I look the data, but I was not the guy that's spending a lot of time. I was not the guy to do track walks. I sort of tried to, I felt better trying to be with my thoughts away from what I had to do. And I I had this, this characteristic that I could switch on and off very fast. I could be talking, Actually, for me, it would be great if I would have any friend of mine on the racetrack, we'll be talking, whatever, fun stuff. And then time to go to the car, boom. Now I go. I wasn't that guy that oh, the the next three hours I'll be only thinking of the race. No, it wasn't me. That's just the way I was I was built. And and that's how I, I like the, the pressure. I like the I like the big challenge. I like that. I I, I like it to to get a challenge and to, to test myself. I was very, very hard on myself. And I put pressure a lot on myself. I did that, sometimes even too much. Uh, but because I that's how I functioned. That's why I think I was very good racing driver in Formula 1. Depends with on the car I had. I was not that good test driver because testing, mm. I was, I think, you know, I think I needed the pressure. I need, and my career has been based on those days. Uh, I, I won the European Formula Renault. I had to do a test with another six drivers to get the seat in, in British Formula 3. I was the fastest. Uh, I, when I went to to drive the Sauber the first time, I had to do a, uh, they said, you did a, we are doing bad in Formula 2000. We want to see. In front of one, we have all the reference. So if after this day, you're not with competitive time compared to the driver, which was Jean Lazy at the time, I'm sorry, you're going back to Brazil. Right. And uh, and I made it on these days. My career was built on these on this days that I had to perform, and those days I did.
1: Do you think there's guys... I mean, so... And almost... Sounds like there's a reason why. And it's not so much today because, like you said, it's all sim testing. But, like, guys who are just career test drivers because they're really good at giving data and feedback and doing exactly what the engineers wanted to do versus guys who are race drivers. (coughs) Guys that can get it done on the track.
2: Yeah.
1: With other cars.
2: Yeah. I think in my my generation, uh, it was – many guys which were friends of mine, friends. Right. These, some of them were like, we say like a lion, at, um, uh, test, uh, te- uh, a lion of a test. The guy is so fast, testing, very fast, beat the, 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 the regular, uh, the, the racing drivers. Racing drivers get injured, get sick, put him to race. Boom, nothing happens. Right. There was many guys like that. Right.
1: there
2: was, um, there was people which were very fast. I, I don't know. I never checked, but I think, I think if you go, if you take, I beat Verstappen 11 to 6 on my first year. If you go on every Friday and you see the results on the Fridays before the qualifying, maybe out of 16 races, 17 races, I think maybe on Friday I finished ahead of him maybe two, or three times. But on Saturday right. it was there, you know. And that's how um, that's how I've been in my career. And I like the qualifying, I like the pressure. I right. maybe that's why I like indie, because it is a lot of pressure. You know, you have yeah. to especially sure. if you're in a team which is not that good, you have to risk so much taking so much down for the card, the thing is light, you have to qualify for four laps. It's right. not like long. If you drive in a bad car, it's long. Trust me. To be flat out four laps in Indy, when a bad car is long. <laughs> it's like a marathon. <laughs> so maybe that's why I, I did well there. Uh, I don't know. It's just strange.
0: Do you think you've huh, had four scary? I was going to say, do you think you've had four scary laps anywhere else in Indy?
2: didn't in qualifying, Indy, Indy was pressure. Anyone, yeah. person, I have to qualify the car now. I think I could have qualified better, I think. But to, re- to retry, you have to waive your time.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. We didn't have a spare car because my teammate crashed the, the week before. Let's say we try with a little bit less wing and I stick in the wall, I'm out. Right. So we sort of like stayed a little bit on the safe side it was a lot of pressure. I think that's what the highest pressure from all races was in Indy 500, yes. And
0: risk, I mean, really risk as well.
2: But uh, as I said to you, I had a good feeling with the track. Right, sure. Thought, I didn't thought I was in danger. I, I thought way more, I was way more in danger in Texas, in Kansas, in Homestead. In Homestead, I think, I, I didn't know if I was coming off of the car Every time I was getting in, the thing was just moving around, the no way, Jacker. I, I didn't think if. How would be next lap if I was still gonna be here? India right. had a good thing. India, I like it. So India was more pressure, yes, but was for me was way more it suited me my driving style. I like it.
0: Sure. Um so you know the last thing I really have, I mean, you're talking about um, I mean, really the physical fitness and how IndyCar car was just a lot more physical demanding. How much has um like how much did you when you were in formula one like how big do you think like you know the physical aspect and working out was compared to what it is now like how do you think that has changed
2: okay i i don't know how the cars are now i think the cars must be i think now has to be must be hard on the neck because the cars they with the big tires with the long wheelbase they turn Mm -hmm. the corners like such speed like they go like almost everywhere flat out more or less in terms like, like uh, let's say, a, a challenging uh, corner would be a rouge in Spa, at my ears. You could do flat? Yes. Could you do every lap? No. So you had it. It's always a little bit of a, a tension. Now I think that every lap is flat. I think even in the, in the, in the wet it's flat. So I think that the G-force must be very hard on the neck. Sure. Uh, I drove. Uh, uh, arrows had no power steering. So Arrows was heavy. Steering, but the tires were like grooves so sort of like they, w- once they start graining, they start to, to 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 slide a little bit, so it becomes a little bit light. IndyCar was really heavy everywhere. Like uh, uh Watkins lane was heavy, uh Street Courses was heavy. Um I remember one was really heavy. Uh Edmonton was heavy, plus bumpy, so bumpy, it was like you would lose your teeth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was like really bumpy and Iowa I think Iowa was the heaviest thing I ever felt in my life Iowa was was so heavy it was crazy plus it's a short oval you don't have you never have a break plus this little this little you know I know how you guys call that you know like turn one and then it's a straight line then go two and then there is this it's a straight line the the finish line is always a little bit in a curve in most of the ovals and that thing, you, you were always turning. And that thing sort of like start getting here, getting here, getting here, because it's a constant effort. There is no rest. So car was really heavy. Uh, it was easy on the neck because you could go like that. When I was in Formula 1, the, the cockpits were very wide and you could not put a, a neck support. So Formula 1 was very heavy on the, on the core and on the, um, on the neck. But Indy car was very heavy on the arms compared to the normal cars. I don't know. Um, I, from what I see from the drivers now when I go to the races, they have a big neck. I think the neck should be hard. They are very very thin, very very thin. So for the weight, I think the, the steering must be must be with the power steering must be lighter. Right. And that's a
0: big thing. We've had a lot of people talk about like who either come from Formula One or come from road courses is the muscles in your neck that um, you, you need to do the ovals. And Kristen Fittipaldi, we've we've had him on a couple times, but he was talking about when he first did his first IndyCar test <laughs> on the oval, he was like, oh, I just came from Formula One. He's like, I have a nice, big, strong neck. You know, I don't need the extra padding and all that. And he said he did not that many laps and he came in and he's like, I, I can't do this.
2: Yeah, because imagine that you're you're never as as I say you're never resting. The ovals are as you go such a high speed. Right, In you you rest a little bit in the straight line because the straight line is longer. Even if you're going faster, but this, the track is much bigger, so you rest. But short, medium, like a one uh, one and a half mile oval, and it's things like this. <laughs> yeah, it's constant. You you don't you don't you don't rest. You know, you are never in the straight line, so. I believe, yeah. You you once you have the support, it's okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But if your car is like sort of like a little bit nervous, even if you're resting, you're sort of tense. So it's like you always know, hard, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Um, well, Enrique, I, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else for him,
2: Scott?
1: Man, I don't. Uh, just uh, absolute pleasure to talk to you.
2: Yeah, it was my pleasure, yes. Uh yeah, it was nice, guys. And good good memories from me, especially guys being in, in India. India is some is a place that I liked a lot. As I said, I raced there both directions. It's a track that I I love it and uh I love racing Formula One there. And also I loved when I, my, the experience that I had in Indy 500. was was great.
0: Now have you been have you been to Indy since you drove in the 500?
2: I've been not to a IndyCar race. I've been there for uh, I raced when I raced for um, in Lamborghini. I was yeah. racing for Wayne Taylor Racing. They are based in Indianapolis. Oh, okay, yeah. Sure. So we, I've been there in a couple of times in the team. Hmm. Actually, since last time I raced, I haven't been to the speedway. So it's a long oh, wow. time. It would be nice to get a visit there. Uh, I've never been a guy that watch races i think when you watch race the tv is the best place to watch i've never been going to go so much to racetracks if i don't have to work or if i don't have a meeting uh, but yeah in the 500 it's for sure special i would be happy to to go back there and 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 watch a race because that's such an impressive thing
0: it's, it's amazing how many former drivers tell us the same thing. Like, you know, if, if they're not working or they, they don't really have any desire to go to the race, like they, they can watch it on TV. So it, it's, it's amazing. A lot of drivers tell us that.
2: Yes. It's actually, uh, since I, well, um, until, I, ran, I ran, until I was a Formula One driver, I never went to a Formula One race to watch.
0: Hmm.
2: My first time I was, if I had nothing to do, if I, I never been like purely to watch either I had a meeting or i had to be a reserve driver or something but never been there to watch so that has been i think it's quite common with racing drivers right well i definitely
0: yeah. think you, you you need to come back to experience any 500 sometime um yeah because they do like the legends day and stuff the day before um and you could definitely participate in all that. And a lot of people say like when when you come back after you kind of you look at it a little different or you know you maybe get a little more appreciation or whatever
2: yeah, of course you i I wouldn't have the pressure, yeah uh, absolutely I would if next time I go there to watch I, I, I I'm not gonna think that I'm gonna die next lap, so <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so that's, uh I would just be a little bit um uh, just joking, but yeah, actually actually. Mainly for my own drivers, we think that um once you go to Indy, it might happen. So it is very tense.
0: But hey, you you say you you never you never felt like you were in danger in oh, Indy. No. In Indy- <laughs> I'm just messing in with Indy
2: you. Yeah, in the car. In Indianapolis, I didn't I felt <laughs> tense on the start because starting right, in right. the middle. Sure. You know, the middle felt a little bit more tense for me, but uh the track I liked it. I had a good feeling once the car settled. Uh, I was like, um, I believe that was the oval that I pushed the most, that I've been more aggressive and something like that. And uh, because I felt really good. What
1: I, my theory is with Indy is it lulls you to sleep. Like you, you just make lap after lap after lap. and, And then all of a sudden you, maybe you get a wind gust. Maybe somebody's tires are going off and they push up or, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a position that you hadn't been in, you know, for 20 laps or whatever.
2: Luckily I didn't have that position. I, I, I want to say, I I felt the tires going off. Once I couldn't do the pit stop because of my David right. I, I felt the tires going off and I could see the tires going off. And right. I was, oh, yeah, see so what it was I, I felt how the car feel with a very, very old tires. Uh, luckily, we managed to be in the right spot and, and not getting a good wind gust or not having a, somebody cutting by I People did cut my hair, but I, somehow the outside, inside, outside helped me to sort of like position myself in a – it's more like proper racing, you know? That's what you learn right. Five, go out, in, out.
1: Right. Sure.
2: When I take my, when I was, my kids were starting driving go karts, I always said to them, driving is out, in, out. So the first thing I taught them, and that's what (laughs) English.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I do have one last question. What would be your biggest piece of advice for anybody who's, you know, younger and wants to become a race car driver, maybe wants to race in Formula One or race in IndyCar?
2: Yeah, it's a, you have to start go karting. That's how you have to start. That's what I learned most of my techniques where I learned how to drive and I learned how to fight go-karting. It's is essential uh, if you wanna be a single-seater driver, even, even a GT driver or prototype or whatever. I think go-karting teaches you a lot. It's very fast reaction. That's uh, and you need to take, I think the journey to be a One or an IndyCar driver is so far ahead. Shouldn't think that, oh, of course, you have to desire. You need to have that will inside of you, but you have to do the best. You know, I, 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 I think the best advice is to try to be better than what you were yesterday. Yeah. The racetrack will be impossible to always beat your time because otherwise everybody would do a lap record every time they go. It's very difficult, but try to be better. Maybe the lap time is not better, but I understand better the car. I, sure know how to drive a little bit on the dirty part if I can, if, I, I'm, if I'm pushed there in the race. Uh, I know how to set up a little bit better the car. I know how to, so be better than what you were yesterday. Train your fitness. I didn't train much my fitness until I was in a higher in my career. And that was a little bit of a mistake because that was a different generation. Now I see guys getting fitness trained by the age of 14, something like that. It's more professional now. And yeah, and trust your instincts, you know. And you have to have fun. If you are a child and you drive, you need to love and you need to have fun driving. Because something that once becomes serious is a job. Of course, it's a very privileged job, but it is a job that you need to focus. And you're not there for, for just for the ride. You just so enjoy while you can and try to be better than what you were yesterday.
0: Oh that's great advice. Well um Enrique thank you so much once again we really appreciate it. And thank you know um, yeah, it's you, great. It, it's just yeah. great talking to you. You know like we said I mean you got an opportunity driving drive in Formula 1 Indy 500. I mean that's a very elite club. I mean Indy 500 alone is an elite club because there's like yes. less than 200 people alive who've raced in it. Um so
2: It is yes it is is just think how like a uh, you you, you, you you are guys from Indianapolis, I think every single kid in Indianapolis would like to <clears throat> race in the 500 one day. Sure. It is a big achievement, it is, it is a, a race that you should take pride of it and uh, it's a race that I, uh, I take very proud that I did it, I finished, I didn't crush it. Of course, I wanted to win. The, if I say I'm not going to win, I wouldn't be a race car driver because you need to win, want to win every race. And when, when you don't win a race, this is you off. If you are in Indy, if you are in Formula One, if you are in GT, whatever, the race competition is the same everywhere. But it is a, it is a good achievement and I like it. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm privileged to have the chances to, to race both ways in Indy. Not many people did it, I guess. Yeah, you, you may
0: be the only... Trying to well, Montoya maybe.
2: JPM. Yeah, uh,
0: Villanueva maybe uh, Villanueva. Alonzo. Yeah, Villeneuve. Yeah, Villanueva Alonzo. Yeah,
2: there's yeah. been a few uh, then. Baricello. Baricello Takuma. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Montoya. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, not
0: many. Yeah, not many, not many at all.
2: Yet. It is. It is. It is a. It is a. I remember on the the Monday on the Monday evening um event where the everybody got their prize victory banquet
0: win. victory sorry. banquet so, sorry the victory banquet after the yes. five yeah.
2: yes exactly i remember i said wow i raised both ways and i'm proud of that so that was
0: yep. good <laughs> right no absolutely yeah. <laughs> well um well thanks again we really appreciate right. it appreciate sure. thank you guys
1: you
2: thank you, Enrique. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you.